Turning our backs on Jesus. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good morning, my friends. Today we are moving on in Luke's Gospel. We're beginning Luke chapter 22. And as we enter chapter 22, uh, we will begin with uh, verses 1 through 6. These verses uh, lay out the account of Judas' agreement to betray Jesus. And it is a tipping point from uh, Jesus' active earthly ministry toward all of the events leading up to his crucifixion and ultimate resurrection. And so these six little verses set up our transition into um, the events leading up to Jesus' death. So uh, we enter uh, these chapters, 22 through 24, uh, realizing that each uh, section of each chapter uh, is building toward uh, the culmination of Jesus' earthly ministry and the culmination of his ultimate mission, which was to come and to give his life as a ransom for many To give his life as the um, debt payment for our sins. And uh, how grateful we are when we consider in our hearts uh, what Jesus did for us. And as we consider where the story in Luke's gospel is heading, um, it moves my spirit deeply because uh, the next few chapters are not easy to read. Uh, There's beauty in them as we see Jesus willingly stepping into his his mission, stepping into his calling as the Messiah. Uh, But there's a heaviness about it as we see uh, the men that had uh, devoted themselves to following Jesus one by one falling away and turning their backs on him. And the betrayal of Jesus begins here in Luke 22, 1 through 6 with Judas. But uh, before we get into the text this morning, let's go to the Father. Heavenly Father, we love you today. Uh, Most of us, if we're honest, uh, can acknowledge um, having been stung by the betrayal of another. And it is not an easy experience to to be betrayed by someone you trust, someone you thought cared about you, someone you depended on. someone you thought had your back. Uh, And those betrayals are painful. They cut to the heart. Uh, They rattle us because uh, they get us wondering who we actually can trust. And Lord, it's so clear that in this life, um, every one of our relationships is conditional on something. Uh, But our relationship with you is 100% absolutely unconditional. Your love for us is with no strings attached. You are perfectly faithful and always good. You are a God who will never betray his people. He will never turn your backs on us even when we turn our backs on you. And so we give you thanks today, Lord God, that you truly are ever faithful. Um, Your love for us is everlasting. It's steadfast and true. And when the world around us doesn't give us much that we can hang our hat on, we can always trust in you. And so, Lord God, grow our trust in our ability to trust you, uh, that we might truly see you for who you are. 
And Lord, as we study your word today, uh, open it before us that we might be um, uh, mindful of the ways that we betray you, whether intentionally or unintentionally, and uh, bring conviction where we need to be convicted uh, and bring insight and understanding uh, to uh, those betrayals so that we might not repeat our mistakes. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your word and its reliable instruction. And we come to you daily because we have nowhere else to go but to you. And we love you so much, Lord, and we thank you for being with us as we study your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 22, 1 through 6. Now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Now, as we enter Luke chapter 22, Luke tells us that uh, the festival uh, of unleavened bread or the Passover was approaching. And so this is one of the most important Jewish festivals uh, in, in the course of a year. And it calls the people of God to remember part of their story with God. And it's the remembering of their exodus from Egypt in this particular festival remember specifically um, the, the one of the last plagues, the 10th plague, uh, that ultimately helped uh, move Pharaoh's heart to release the Israelites from Egypt. The, the basic background on the Passover is that they were told that the angel of death uh, would come and kill every firstborn Egyptian child, but the homes of the Israelites were to be uh, painted over with a swipe of blood indicating that they were an Israelite home. And the angel of death's death would pass over those homes that had the brush swipe of blood on the outside. That would be the indication that that was an Israelite home and no harm would come to those families. But for every Egyptian family, uh, the firstborn child would be killed by the angel of death. Now that is a serious sign uh, to the Egyptians, especially to Pharaoh, that God is serious about getting his people out of Egypt. And it seems an extreme thing to do, but it was certainly something that got Pharaoh's attention and ultimately tipped the balance toward his decision to let the Israelites go. Um, God was merciful in giving his people advanced warning and giving them a sign and symbol uh, to post on their home to signify that they belonged as part of the people of God. And uh, I think there's such a grace and a mercy in that. Um, And God is passionate about God's will. And God is passionate about uh, accomplishing what uh, what his plan and purpose are. And nothing will get in the way of that. Not a stubborn governmental leader. Uh, And God will go to extreme measures to accomplish his will in his people's lives. 
And the same is true today. Now, God is not sending the angel of death and terrible plagues and things in the same way that he did um, uh, back in those days. But God will allow hardship. God will... um, uh, God will do what God needs to do to get through uh, to our leaders and ultimately to accomplish his will. Nothing stands in the way of the will of God. Nothing. Uh, nothing stands in the way of the purposes of God. Now, there are times that God will interact with human choices to bring about his will, uh, but nothing will thwart the will of God. Nothing stands in the way of God's uh, purpose and plan. Um, So as we move on in the passage, uh, we're told that the chief priests and the teachers of the law were continuing to look for a way of getting rid of Jesus, uh, but they were afraid of the people's reaction, and so they weren't sure how to go about this. Then Luke tells us that Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard with an offer. He says, hey, uh, if you pay me some money, I will look for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to you when there's nobody watching. And that way, um, you guys will be in control of the narrative. Uh, the crowds won't be stirred up and you can tell the crowds whatever you want to tell them to convince them that you arrested Jesus rightfully. And so there is this plot afoot to arrest Jesus and um, to turn him into the religious authorities. Um, This is an act of betrayal that is um, uh, heartbreaking. Here's Judas who has spent uh, the course of Jesus' earthly ministry following him, from place to place, watching him perform miracles, release people from unclean spirits, watching him perform miracles of multiplication where a tiny bit of food existed and thousands of people wind up getting fed. Uh, This is the same Judas that was in on every conversation between Jesus and his inner circle. Uh, This is a Judas who uh, maybe at some points on the journey started to see Jesus for who he was. And now he's turning his back on him. Uh, The enemy has tempted him away from Jesus. The enemy has planted seeds of doubt within Judas's heart and mind. And now Judas is willing to turn his back on Jesus for a few coins. And it's a heartbreaking moment in the narrative, but it's so very important for this to happen. Um, This is part of what needed to happen on the road to the cross. And so Judas is unknowingly uh, playing a role here in the uh, ultimate plan of God. (laughs) And uh, God will not be thwarted, (laughs) and God's purpose and plan will not be stopped. And so Judas is playing his part in this narrative uh, as it leads to the cross. Um, But it is sad to see someone so close to Jesus who spent so much time with him um, and was in his presence daily turn his back on Jesus in such a crude, uh, uncaring, cold way. And um, it makes me ponder my own times of betrayal. It makes me ponder perhaps the the many and varied small ways that I'm betraying Jesus daily without even realizing it. 
I wonder if we consider our hearts, if there are lots of little ways that we're betraying Jesus as we go throughout our day. Little opportunities missed when we could stand up for him in the face of uh, crude conversation going on at work or where there are doors opening for us to stand up for our faith and to proclaim Jesus in a clear and and, uh, vocal way in the midst of uh, peers or neighbors or uh, folks that we're volunteering in the community with. And we shrink back because we don't want to be that Jesus guy or that Jesus gal. Um, And so I think of the many ways that we possibly betray him, sometimes without even realizing it because we've become so comfortable not standing up for him that we don't even realize that we're uh, that we're shrinking back and, and not taking a stand for him. In a way, we're operating out of this sort of um, uh, attitude of being ashamed. And uh, the Bible says that um, if we are ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of us. And so um, I moved in my spirit this morning as I consider Uh, my own heart and my own life and my own subtle betrayals of Jesus. Um, And I'm, and I'm heartbroken to think uh, that uh, I am guilty of betraying him at times and at times without even realizing it. So when we betray him, uh, we are doing so Uh, sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly, but we're doing so likely in subtle ways to avoid uh, having to be pegged for our faith, having to be um, put on the spot as a Jesus person in a setting where we'd like to be liked and well-regarded. And um, in a sense, that says we're not real clear on our identity then as God's people. We're not real clear on our identity as His followers. Uh, when you've experienced the merciful touch of his love, when you've experienced the forgiveness and grace that calls you out of darkness into the light of his love and mercy, uh, you want to tell the world about it, and you don't want to shrink back, and you don't want to, uh, you don't want to leave Jesus behind uh, just because uh, the cool kids are around. And so, my friends, let's be challenged in our hearts today to take a stand for Jesus and to stop shrinking back and to start stepping up when we have the opportunity to take a stand for him. All right, my friends, may God bless you as you continue to consider these words today, uh, and may he continue to challenge us in our hearts. God bless.